You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey, Mitch! On tonight's episode of Hey Mitch, I have a game designer. That's right. All new, a whole new uh, platform here. We're talking board games, and I have Reed Mescola on. He is going to talk about his Kickstarter campaign for Vigilante for Paranoia Rising Games. Hi, Reed. Hi. Great. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming on. That's it's great. Like I said, I've I have yet to have a board game designer on, so this is exciting. Uh, why board games? Um, well, I've always been into board games. So actually, uh, yeah, growing up, um, yeah, I always used to play board games and got into trading card games for a bit. Then went back to board games. Um, yeah, I just like uh, I kind of like the the social. Um, uh, I mean, I guess what you used to get, <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, yeah. Kind of the social aspect of that. So um, I, I guess, uh, I, first, I guess before we go any further, am I, am I wrong? I, is it, is it just, is it considered more a card game than it is a board game? Uh, so it's very much a board game, uh, okay. but definitely card based. Uh, yeah. So there is a, there is a physical board as well as lots of cards and the, but the cards are really what make the game dynamic. So how would you explain Vigilante? Like to me, when I went to go look at your Kickstarter, I watched the video. I was like, this looks awesome. I can't wait to talk about it. But how would you describe the game? So it's a, uh, so it's, it's semi-cooperative, meaning that you, you may have um, different teams. Um, there is a small chance in one of the scenarios for it to be fully cooperative. But m- for the most part, it's semi-cooperative, secret missions, um, and really... Um, what I wanted to emphasize in this was um, building a team of heroes and creating synergy between those heroes and having that change from game to game um, because of a wide selection of heroes and different abilities that kind of play into each other. And how is it that you, you went about like coming up with this idea? So definitely got some inspiration from other board games that I've played. Um, I I haven't seen uh, a good, kind of superhero board game out there that really played into that team concept. Um, so I, I, I wanted to create that. But what I have seen, um, there's a game called Dead of Winter, which is uh, basically a zombie survival game. Um, and that actually, you do a great job of building a team of survivors. Um, so that I think that was definitely one of the biggest kind of board game inspirations um, for Vigilante. So how, how do the different powers come into effect? So you've got some, I mean, some heroes that are, are going to be um, preventing damage, um, some of them that are going to be drawing you cards. Uh, some of them, um, one of the heroes, for instance, is going to basically um, move around on your player mat to try and avoid damage. Um, so they've all got different kind of, uh, you've got, for instance, um, some different villain factions 
Um, and there are some heroes that will automatically beat certain factions without taking damage. Um, so yeah, so it's 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 an interesting game because you're 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 kind of trying to manage your resources. You're trying to make sure your heroes are kept kind of healthy, um, and you're you're fighting villains kind of through, uh, kind of along the way. And villains are always going to damage your heroes, so you're always playing that kind of balance of should I attack a villain or should I try and get some first aid kits to heal up my heroes. Um, so are yeah. you are you always playing a, a hero or do you play a villain every once in a while? Yes. Yeah, so, well, the I mean the characters that you're that you're recruiting are all heroes. Okay, but. Um, you as a player, you're kind of the mastermind, uh, and you could be good, neutral, or evil. Ah. So you could have. So everyone's got a secret mission. Uh, good players, they're trying to get villains in jail. Evil players are trying to basically um, make the make the good players lose by either um, forcing them to fight harder villains or recruiting mercenaries to like go and and deal damage to their heroes or. Uh, free villains from their jail. So they're, they're, there's different dynamics. And then neutral is just chaotic. They they kind of, they're out for themselves. Um, they can win with anybody, um, but all they really care about is completing their own mission. Okay. So, I mean, is what's the the ultimate goal if you're playing against multiple people? Or is it, is it against multiple people? Or are you playing all together against a common goal? Yeah, so in this game, you're actually really against the the players. Okay. Um, um, so there's a couple different scenarios. So the scenario kind of determines um, what the um, how many of each kind of role are going to be in the game. So there's uh, brought to justice, for instance, is the the basic uh, the basic scenario that comes to the game. And if you've got four players, you're going to have two good players, one neutral, and one evil. Uh, but nobody knows who those are. So the good players are going to be working together, but as a good player, you've got to try and figure out through the game who might be on your team so that you can help them out. Um, and you have a combined goal. So if you're a good player, you need seven villains in your jail um, for each good player in the game. So um, let's say if we were the good players in the game, uh, I would need to figure out, first of all, who you are, and we would have to have a combined total of 14 villains in our, in our jail um to win okay. and the evil players trying to thwart our plans so you got you got you got some great mechanics going on here different mm-hmm. uh, different uh ways of playing the game or are, are going on so for sure h- how long did it take to to basically hash all this out like from conception mm-hmm. to uh having a product in your hand so this this one's been a long one because i've been working on this one for about five years now um but uh, the last year, I'd say, wasn't a lot of um, mechanic development because there wasn't really a lot of chance to, to play it. Although I did just get it up on Tabletop Simulator kind of in, I think, December, maybe. Um, so it could finally play it again. But uh, because it is a minimum three, kind of three to five player game, and because in, in Toronto, we've been locked down this entire time, it's right. been uh, tough, to, tough to play board games. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah. I hope the the simulator has helped that out though. For sure, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've gotten a lot of plays in on that, um, and even added a lot of cool things in the last few weeks um, that even just backers have suggested. Uh, yeah, that's Spice cool. It up a bit. Has, so, does it play any different in a simulator than it does if you had it in a physical? Like, I mean, not mm-hmm. so much being able to touch it, but just in the gameplay itself. 
Yeah, I think that I think the positive of playing it in person is that you can you can read kind of other people's expressions. Ah. So there's that social deduction element that you don't really get online. But the the benefit of online is um, we've we've scripted it so that basically all you need to do is press one button and setup is just automated. So it, it saves you, cuts you down kind of some time there. Now the the video, the trailer you have up on the Kickstarter. You know, it talks about a whole world, uh, you know, and everybody having powers and stuff like that. What, uh, how, how much time did you develop into, how much time did you put into developing that story? Just the, the background story of, of, of the world and, and, and how it's, it, it all plays out. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a long time. Actually, the story's kind of been, been building in my head for like maybe a decade. Ooh. Um, and it doesn't, I mean, um, definitely you can feel the theme of, of Vigilante when you play it, but, um, the next game I'm working on is Vigilante story mode, which is a cooperative version of this game with the same base mechanics, uh, but it's chapter based. So that one is actually going to follow you through the story. Wow. Um, and each chapter is going to have kind of a, an intro that you read to kind of immerse yourself a bit more. So that will get you to, to build up, uh, so to speak? Is it, mm-hmm. is it more like, you know, origin to, to yeah. modern day? I love that. That's, that's exactly. interesting. Yeah. You start, um, you're going to start, um, as the agency. So you're going to just be some kind of agency troopers building up a team, um, before the, before everyone got powers. And then that takes you through kind of when, when the villains got powers, once, once kind of that formula leaked through to the, to regular people and regular people became heroes. So it kind of follows you through all the way. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Now, I mean, were you have you have you been working in this type of industry before, or is it just you just woke up and it's like I need to make it myself a game? Yeah, more the latter, I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm in the automotive industry for my career, um, and this is just something that I've been doing on the side is uh, really um, good, fun, creative challenge that. Um, yeah, it's been good. So I want that's I want to know about that then too. What was what was the 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 biggest surprise obstacle that came came about when you were trying to get this made? <laughs> um, well, definitely um, a lot of it was kind of in, in starting up my own business, right? So incorporating and figuring out figuring all that out, which I'm sure I mean a lot of probably a lot of your listeners have gone through, but it's just um, doing this. You you kind of you have to learn about everything. You have to learn about legal. You have to learn about taxes. You have to learn about, um, uh, I mean, logistics. Well, logistics is a given and, and that you kind of figure, but um, marketing, marketing is a tough one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, is it your, your video really sold it for me? So I, I assume it was that something you made. Does it, did you farm that out to someone? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's actually, it's, um, so I found a video editor to, to do that. Um, and basically I built a storyboard, um, and, uh, he kind of just took it from there. I, I made sure that, um, I had a lot of good kind of panoramic, um, art that was layered that could be used for the purpose of videos. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just really done a good job with it. Yeah, no, I, I would say that you're doing a, a crack up job at the at the marketing at the moment. Obviously, uh, you're, you're you're funded. You're you're uh, mm-hmm. you know, over a hundred percent funded at this time of this recording. Now, 
what happens next with the ki- the Kickstarter campaign at, at this point? Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, um, I'm still hoping because we we just funded on Friday. Uh, I'm still hoping we can we can uh, unlock a couple of stretch goals. Um, so we've got another um, well three and a half days left. Um, and usually the last 48 hours is a big push. So if we can get up to kind of 12 or 14,000 Canadian, which is less than the U S uh, <laughs> then, uh, then we'll be, we'll be in good shape. We'll get a few stretch goals. Uh, I've been adding content to the game anyways, because I ran a few contests, uh, where people got to, to be heroes and villains in the game. Um, so either way, there's, there's tons of content in this game. So um, what is the importance of stretch goals? So stretch goals, um, I mean, definitely part of it is uh, when you look at production costs, um, if you order at certain co- or certain quantities, um, your costs are going to go down. So if, you, if I order 500 games and then I order 1,000, I mean, the difference between the two is, is quite significant. Um, so if I could get to 1,000 1, copies, meaning if I, like, let's say I, I got... 500 or 600 backers, then I could throw in enhanced kind of uh, more expensive components to just kind of make up for that, um, that price gap between the 500 and the, the 1000. So um, definitely, I think that's why stretch goals are a thing. Um, also, it's to build excitement through the campaign because um, you want to be constantly kind of unlocking things through, through the campaign and, um, I think that's something easier when you set a lower goal um, at the beginning because you can be fully funded and then you've got stretch goals to kind of carry you through all your updates and, and make, make the game or keep the game exciting for your backers. Um, so obviously I, um, most of my campaign, we've been trying to get funded and we just did. Um, so stretch goals haven't really carried us anywhere. Um, so that's where I've really kind of stepped in and, and I've said, you know, we're going we're gonna to do stuff anyways. Um, get get more content for the game. And what kind of uh, incentives did you have for your backers? Um, so for for stretch goals or uh, your original incentives and now stretch goals, yes. Uh, so uh, so with so first of all, we did uh, two contests leading up to to the game. So we've got basically three people that um, that have selected as um, heroes in the game and then have two people that are that are villains in the game <clears throat> um, I also did um, at Decepticon which is a uh, it's it's a convention that was just went I mean went digital because of the pandemic um, they do a lot of werewolf uh, or ultimate werewolf and uh, social deduction type games okay uh, so I did a contest there as well so we got a starter hero out of that um, and then uh, part of this was just uh, through talking to backers, just just getting some ideas. And um, I've got a brand new scenario that um, if you're familiar with card drafting, um, then basically, yeah, it, we've got a scenario where you draft your heroes at the beginning. So you start with a full team. Um, and that was a, one of the backer suggestions. Okay. That, that, um, what, what are some of the, the, some of the feedback that you've been getting from your backers <laughs> and, and your test players? Yeah, uh, I think one thing that I got from uh, two of the reviewers was that they um, originally we only had uh, two different good roles and two different evil roles and um, seven neutral roles. So all the neutral roles were unique and different. 
Um, well, I guess that's what unique means. Uh, <laughs> for good, for good uh, there was uh, there were four guardians, which was the basic role that needed set a combined total of seven uh, villains for each good player in the game. Um, and there was the basic evil role, the assassin, who just needed the, the good players to lose. Um, the feedback I got from the reviewers is that they would have liked to see more of the variability from the neutral into the good and the evil. So have more kind of advanced identities um, with different maybe bonuses or, and, and that's actually what I did. So I, um, that's another piece of kind of free, free content that I've added for the backers is uh, three new unique good roles and three new unique uh, evil roles. Um, and just as an example, one of the evil roles is the recruiter. So they get bonuses for uh, recruiting mercenaries. Wow. Um, so they'll actually um, subtract from the, the good players jailed villain total uh, for every two uh, mercenaries in the discard pile that have been recruited, basically. Ah, so so it sounds like you've taken a lot of the, the feedback and, and, and really worked with it. That's that's amazing. For sure, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how the game gets better. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, what what was it that that you know made you feel the best uh, in in feedback that you got? Um, I think the coolest thing is that I sent my game out to so many um, reviewers, and this is actually a relaunch. So I had a much less impressive looking campaign a year ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but. Then I, I think I had about um, seven or eight different content creators and I got, um, I want to say about like this time, like maybe nine or 10 different, um, maybe even more content creators to kind of cover my game. Um, and a couple of them were, were paid. So they would do paid previews um, or they would do paid playthroughs. But um, most of the ones that I got were completely unbiased. Um, I didn't like they're, they're unpaid reviewers. So they, um, they will tell you if a game is bad, <laughs> um, which I really appreciate even as a, as a, as a customer. I mean, I've got a huge board game collection myself and, and I, I do, um, I want to be able to trust these reviews when I'm, when I'm reading them. Um, and it was really, um, it, it was really kind of humbling and uh, it felt really good to kind of um, get feedback from each of these reviewers one by one. Uh, and they all loved it. And um a number of them are backers. Uh, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's really gone great. Um, it, it, it builds my confidence that it's a quality product, even though I, I know it's a quality product. Um, and again, uh, to what you mentioned, that's, that's listening to feedback, uh, listening to playtester feedback, uh, making sure that everything is balanced, um, fun to play. Um, and yeah, I mean, five years of, of working on it definitely plays into that too. So you said you 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 had a campaign going last year or a year mm -hmm. ago. Did were you able to get it to conventions before uh, the lockdown? Uh, so I got it to some local conventions, and actually, what I was planning on doing. Um, so I, I completely redid all the graphic design in the game um, since since the last campaign, um, and I was planning on going to Origins, Gen Con, and um, Decepticon in person. Right. And, uh, yeah, I could not get out to them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that did not happen. It's definitely tougher to market your game. Um, and I find um, you, you can kind of go two routes with Kickstarter with board games. So you can, go, you can go for the flash, 
where you've got like a hundred miniatures and people are going to back it because the miniatures look cool. Or you can go kind of the route of uh, where if it's a good game, the only way you're going to get backers generally uh, or a large number of backers is a people player game. And that's, that's really the value of conventions. That's the value of tabletop simulator or tabletopia or any of those platforms. Um, and um, I would say like a good, good portion of my backers have played the game. Okay. So that, that's, that's impressive. Now, going back to the beginning, like how did you first get it, like start to develop it? Like how did you get friends together to, to play it, to start out with whatever it was that you had in your head or yeah, you just go straight I, to yeah, for sure. other people? Yeah, I, I definitely started with friends, um, friends, even like occasionally family. I try to convince my family to play, even though they're not big gamers. Um, <laughs> But yeah, mostly friends, I would say. We, we had our, our kind of um, our weekly kind of board game meetups. So I would, I would show up there with my, my game. Uh, I actually bought art fairly early into it um, because I think it's a lot of these prototypes that you, if you've seen them, they look pretty rough at the beginning. So unless you're going to like a, a game designer meetup, which I mean, I've gone to a lot of those too, and those are great. Um, it's hard to get regular kind of non-game designers to play your game if it's if it doesn't look the part. Um, so the art kind of did that. Um, I found getting the art, uh, getting a, a pro- proper prototype printed off. Um, I used Game Crafter, which is um, great, and they basically just print everything off. It looks like a finished game, oh. minus the fact that it's still kind of a prototype, and right. maybe the card art and card design doesn't look that great at that point. <laughs> so it's, it's not just a uh, cut up notebook paper with words on it is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like cards with linen finish and like, um, a proper game board. And uh, like, I mean, I, they, your viewers can't, can't, can't see that, but this is a prototype. It's just basically, it looks like a finished game minus an insert. So is that the first one? Was that the one that, that you first, you first made first had made? Uh, so I've had many made. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you this still have the that first recent. one? Uh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually held on to all of it because it, it's kind of funny looking back. And I, I used to do like, like silhouettes um, for art before I had proper art. Um, and there was one point where I had zombies in my game, which didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> fun while it lasted. Um yeah, it's gone through so many different iterations, but I mean, I can't, I can't fault you for throwing zombies in there. It's yeah. zombies. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I was I actually did that because I found that um, people were upset when they lost their heroes. So I was like, oh, how can we get the heroes back? Oh, we can make them zombies. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so did you end up replacing that with something? Um, so basically, didn't really re- replace that, but the way the way we made it work is that once your hero is defeated, it moves off your board into your defeated heroes pile. And then you can just recruit a new hero, but you still, it still costs a lot of resources to do that. So it's still a pretty big blow when you lose a hero. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fair. I mean, <laughs> true comic book fashion, you know, a superhero is going to get resurrected somewhere. Is, is, is there resurrection <laughs> yeah. in there somewhere? Uh, so there is one one hero whose ability is that he basically has two lives. So the first time he dies, he just comes back to life with full health. Okay. 
but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one, one hero that, um, uh, that poltergeist who can kind of go in and out of the like spirit world. So he can, he actually gets bonuses, uh, for the more of your heroes are defeated because he can talk to them. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. What was, how many, how many different heroes did you end up, uh, discarding before you, you stuck with the ones that you have? Um, so I stuck, I think I stuck with a lot of the same characters actually that I had originally. Okay. Um, but their, their abilities got tweaked along the way. Gotcha. Yeah. I like that. So a couple couple that are gone, but, (laughs) uh, obviously this is superheroes. Um, are you a big comic book person too? I am. Yeah, definitely. All right. What, Late, what, lately, what, been more movies and TV shows, but there's. I was in a pretty big graphic novel um, blitz there for about like a couple of years. Who Who are your characters? Um. So, I think. I think probably more so kind of X Men. Okay. Um, so like Storm, Gambit, um, even Rogue. Um, Jubilee, just because her power is so bad, I, I gotta love her. Um, and but I mean, I I, I kind of love like I I uh, love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think yeah. Falcon's cool, um, and uh, I love DC. Actually, for DC, I I, I really enjoy a lot of the uh, um, a lot of the ones that get smaller parts. So okay. I'm not a huge Superman person. Uh, I, Batman's great, um, and I think a lot of the movies are great, and that there's a lot of great content for Batman. But I still think he's maybe a bit overdone. Um, maybe I'm kind of <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, but I love Black Canary. I love Question. Um, oh, the Question! Think, uh, I love that Wildcat. Wildcat, yes. Yeah. What so, about you? Oh, uh, I mean, I'm a I'm a big Wildcat fan. I'm a Hourman fan. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, I but I'm also a huge like Green Arrow, Green Green Lantern fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beast from the from the X Men mm-hmm. is my guy. Yeah, so I, I'm all, I'm all over the place. I, I like I like <laughs> I just like reading good stories. Yeah. Are, are do we see any analogs to uh, these certain characters in in the game? No, I, I mean, I well, I I, I tried to I, I tried to keep it as far away as I could. <laughs> good call. Good I think call. there's one. Uh, there's probably one hero that is um, accidentally. Um, has some similarities to, to Psylocke, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, was totally not intentional and yeah, just trying to stay away from the copyright. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, what was the hardest part about designing the characters other than trying to stay away from already IP out there? Um, definitely. I think the the most challenging, but also kind of the most fun part is, trying to make their in-game ability feel like their power, mm-hmm. um, which is super easy if you've got a hero that heals because then you just make them heal in the game. But yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> for some of the other ones, it's a little bit more subtle. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. So if you if your, your guy that was a recruiter, what was his like in-game ability as opposed mm-hmm. to his out-game ability or above-board uh, ability? So the recruiter is like your, so that's, that's like your identity. So mm. that's basically only your mission, but then your heroes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So you would still recruit kind of your heroes and then there's mercenaries that show up in the hero market. So there's, there's basically a hero deck 
and there's always like a market of four. And uh, at any point when a hero's recruited or the market's cleared, you could have a mercenary pop up. And they usually just like stab and run or something. (laughs) (laughs) So what is the average game length time? So, uh, and we just actually played a game earlier today and it was an hour and a half. So an hour and a half is um, generally what I, what I see. Um, First game might go to like two hours, um, just kind of getting accustomed to the cards and everything. But usually by the second game, an hour and a half or even less sometimes. That's so definitely a good game night with friends (laughs) kind of around the, the table. I got, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, for sure. Now you brought it up earlier. You said you you had a whole bunch of board games, and I I can mm-hmm. see it because I'm I see the video. Mm-hmm. But there's a, <laughs> how many are we talking about on that wall back there? Uh, it's probably about like um, I don't know. I'd probably say like a hundred, well, hundred fifty, two hundred. So I know people with um, maybe I'm, maybe I'm underestimating. I don't know. I have more that you can't even see. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I'm you're definitely <laughs> underestimating. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I know people that have thousands. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, 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 I mean, do you have a preferred genre? Do you, cause mm-hmm. I, me personally, like I like, I like clue or trivial pursuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. my fiance would, would say like, you know, um, werewolf, mm-hmm. what was it? Night, night, one oh, night werewolf, uh, one night werewolf. Is yeah. One night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what, what's yeah. yours? Um, so I think social deduction is, uh, my favorite. Um, so that includes things like werewolf, um, also, uh, Avalon, um, trying to think deception, murder in Hong Kong, which actually you might like, cause that's, that's also kind of like solving a mystery. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's got the social deduction layer. So one person's actually the killer. I love that. Um, and everyone has clues in front of them, um, that kind of, uh, you, you have to try and figure out who the killer is, uh, who, what the murder weapon was, and what the piece of evidence was. Okay. I'm and in. there's there's like a silent ghost um, that gives, or a forensic investigator or something, that gives clues um, but isn't allowed to talk. So they know who it is and what the weapon is and what the evidence is. But they have to put a pawn on uh, like one of six clues. And they do that a couple of times. So, so it's just a, a discussion, an open discussion of like, Oh well, if um, if if the death was at a hospital, maybe it was the syringe, uh-huh. like things like that. So it's and that was yeah. murder in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's called deception, murder in Hong Kong. Deception, murder in Hong Kong. Okay, I'm gonna keep an yeah. eye out for that. And if you like Clue, Mysterium's another great one. Um, okay, I I'm think, not sure if you played that. I th- that's the one where it's like uh, it's a old mansion, and you get mm-hmm. a yep, yeah, we we have played that one. I did I did enjoy cool. that a lot. Yeah, awesome. So. What's what's the game that took you the longest? Because you know, like there's the the old meme of Monopoly takes days or whatever, and everybody yeah. ends up angry anyway. So what's what's your game that took you the longest? Um, well, it's it's tricky because I think I think games like Monopoly and Risk can go on forever, uh, but most modern board games have kind of a finite time. To right. Them. Um, but. Uh, I play I played Twilight Imperium four a number of times, and I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but it's like a sci-fi. Uh, it's like they call it 4x, which is I think explore, uh, expand, exterminate. Um, it, it stands for something like that, but it's like <laughs> an, a space civilization game. 
where you settle on planets, you build ships, you research technologies. And that game typically, I think the average length is probably like seven hours. Yikes. Um, All right. So you got to like, you got to plan meals around it. <laughs> um, but it's so good. And it, it just, it flies by. Like you think seven hour game, you're like, oh no. But when you play it, it's, it's fun. Oh yeah. If you're having a great time, it's going to fly. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what about other things outside of games? What, what is it that you love to geek out about? Uh, I mean, certain video games. Um, I love playing Civilization. Um, uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 on Switch. I've always all right. been played, played all those older ones. Um, X-Men Legends and Marvel Ultimate Alliance. So it, there's, I'm not a big, like, shooter shooter fans so i feel like there's very few games out for me these days but <laughs> and i don't i don't do the 8-bit or the 16-bit I, I can't i don't I'm probably gonna get some hate for that but. no I, I don't think you will <laughs> I, I understand it like well yeah. i mean is i i and i haven't really got to play any video games in a very long time either so but isn't that new avengers game isn't that isn't that something like the the Mar- marvel ultimate alliance with the whole um so i got it it's kind of like it's kind of like Marvel Destiny. If you've ever played Destiny, Mm-mm. no, it's it's like a like you you've got like a fire team and there's like item leveling up and it's more so about the items I find than the powers. Okay. Uh, I actually, um, I mean, I I personally I don't I bought it um, and I played a, played quite a bit of it. Uh, I don't enjoy the game, but my incentive to play the game is to watch like the little cutscenes because <laughs> the story's good <laughs> See, and i found myself doing the exact same thing for like the uncharted games i never played the games i just watched the cutscenes on youtube like i was like oh okay yeah. cool a story i like that yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a cool story yeah. yeah exactly exactly so do you i mean i i understand that the that vigilante is already in the uh simulator but like mm-hmm. could you see it evolving into a, a video game um, I think so. I mean, I think there's a few places that would probably have to go first. Um, I think it would probably have to go to kind of comic, com- sorry, like comic form before it goes anywhere. Okay. Um, because I think that's where a lot of good, um, well, I mean, a lot of video games derive from comics or from movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you'd probably have to start there and especially, um, being me, and I mean, I'm the only person. So I, I, I founded Paranoia Rising Games, um, but I'm the only person currently. So <laughs> <laughs> video game might be too ambitious for me, especially when you're competing with uh, with a lot of big but budget uh, publishers. So then, do you already have ideas for a comic book? Um, so I've got, I mean, I've got the story. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, you I've do. I've got, I've got that in, in big, big parts, but. Um, I still think my focus is really going to be on, on board games, um, because I've got story mode, which is coming after this. And I've got even another, uh, kind of big, big party social deduction game that I've been working with a friend on. Um, so I've got a couple of games lined up, so I'm not sure if it will go, um, go to comic anytime soon, but it's, it's in the back of my head. So who who knows? It's there. It's, 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 it's in the world. I get that. Um, so when you're having to plan out the game, you know, Mm -hmm. you're in the planning stages and stuff like that. What, what does that look like for you in your environment? Like, is that you locking yourself away? Is that, 
having you know music playing is that candles burning like what what is it for you for to get in that that mindset yeah i i think i think definitely um having time to yourself is really what um what initiated i think the initial like idea for me um and really got me working on it because i you've got to find motivation to uh, not only come up with mechanics and write down a, like a general kind of uh, general rules for the game, but also if you need to, to um, I don't know, especially for a card game like this, you need to come up with like a ton of cards before you can even test it. Um, so I, I remember, I think for this game, I used kind of the Christmas break and I, I didn't really plan on going away. Um, and I, basically just worked on game design and I actually had a, um, uh, my best friend would, would come over and like help me with game design ideas. And, um, it's just having time, um, and knowing that you don't have any commitments coming up for a couple of days is, is nice. <laughs> <laughs> so was it, was that the first step? Was that coming up with the rules is, is it, was that uh, pretty crucial? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you just need to, honestly, you just need to, to bullet point it initially. Um, talk about kind of what you want the wind conditions to be. Uh, talk about what, like a, what a turn looks like, what a round looks like. Um, and then from there, I mean, it, honestly, writing up the rules is the easy part. It's just really uh, coming up with uh, cards and figuring out what components you're going to use uh, to get this done. Um, and definitely, um, under having a good understanding of what games are out there um, and coming up with something that's unique versus something that's already been done a thousand times mm-hmm. um, can be tricky too. Um, yeah. So, so you said you, you knew that you had to have a lot of cards made before you could even start. Did yeah. you, did you find that number somewhere online or, or in research or did you, you just, you just, picked a number and said, this is how many I need to have before we can even start. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just winged it. I just, uh, I, I, I opened up and I used to, it's funny. I used to use word to do these. Um, and I've got, I've, I've, I've gone with, with better tools since then, but uh, <laughs> I would just create nine cards on one, one word page. Um, I would create a template, uh, and then basically just, um, different card abilities. And I would, I would just wing it. I would say, okay, I'm going to go with, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go with 50 cards in the city deck. I'm going to create 20 heroes and just see how it goes. Um, and then print them off and cut them out manually. And that's (laughs) all fun. How many, how many, how many, uh, trial and errors did you have on that one? Oh, so many. So Uh, many. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, but that's, that's the beauty of it. If you can fit, get it to a point where you even like just play it yourself um, before you even get people involved, because you you don't want to scare them away from playing the real game. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, then just again use that time, uh, test it yourself, tweak, test it yourself, tweak, and then once it, once you're actually having fun with your own game, um, that's when you bring it to uh, to other people and and start getting their thoughts. And what kind of resources are there out there for someone that wants us to make their own game? Uh, there's so many. Uh, there's a, uh, I think the Stonemeyer blog. Um, so uh, 
uh, Jamie Stegmeyer, I think runs, uh, like he's got, he's got a blog specifically for game designers, talks about even about crowdfunding and everything. Um, there's, I think, uh, a resource called, uh, so there's a, a game designer, um, uh, unfortunately passed, but, uh, James Math, who had a, an amazing resource for board game designers. Um, yeah, there's, there's so much out there. Board Game Geek is like, that's kind of the, the IMDB of the board game world, I guess. <laughs> um, and uh, Rotten Tomatoes now, I'm not even sure which one's more popular, but... Uh, well, I yeah. still use IMDB, so... <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's, there's some, uh, some good resources out there. Uh, and the, the cool thing is there's... Uh, I find board game designers in general are very... Uh, very helpful um, and uh, it's kind of like a, oh you you play you you play my game I'll play your game uh, so it's it's good it's easy to get play testers um, just through other board game designers uh, and then just get thoughts and and I mean they're willing to to hand over like who they use for manufacturing who they use for logistics here's some contacts like it's people are really forthcoming with information which is great is there a a standard in, in, uh, um, who to use for certain things? Like, is there a, is there a preferred one? Um, not necessarily. It really, I think for like, for instance, for manufacturers, uh, you're going to have, uh, the bigger companies, which are only going to do pretty large minimum, minimum order quantities. So as a smaller publisher, you're not going to use them at all. Um, and then you've got, uh, you've got basically the, um, the smaller companies, some, some smaller companies that have already done reputable games. Um, and that's kind of where I fit in. Um, so those are the manufacturers that I, sorry, manufacturers that I look for okay. as a small publisher. Yeah. And in talking about the community, like obviously you've seen you, the, the game designer community, you, mm-hmm. you've said that, you know, a lot of them are there to be, to be helpful and stuff like that. Like how easy did you find it to integrate yourself? Um, it's pretty easy actually. And there, there's even, I mean, this, this all started before the pandemic, like way before the pandemic. Uh, there's, there's a number of, uh, board game design conventions. Um, and it's a great way to kind of meet people make friends. And, um, so it's, yeah, I mean, people are generally pretty welcoming. I found. Has the pandemic like made the community larger or smaller or more people are making um, games or less people are making games? I think there's always, there's always like a ton of people making games. Um, I, I mean, if you look at the board game community, um, so many of them are creators. So there's constantly like, and even if you look on Kickstarter, you'll just see constant board games coming out. <laughs> um, but I think it's probably, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's really grown or shrank. I think think it's kind of the same. It's It's just moved more online. Okay. All right. Yeah. Do you, do you, and you, you obviously don't need to know, but is there a statistic on like how many games that get started and then move forward into being published and, or being a success even? Uh, there is, I haven't seen, or I haven't seen it in a while. That's (laughs) fine. I don't remember, but that's fine. It's quite a lot. Um, I think there's, yeah, um, uh, I wish I could. I wish I could pull it up now. But there's, yeah, there's a really good number on how many active board game projects there are at a given time, and it's it's, it's astounding. You would not think 
there could be that many. Okay. It's, but so it's work. You, you put work into it to make success. That, that's, that's, mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's what you're doing. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, why paranoia rising? What, what, what's the story behind that name? So that goes into uh, social deduction. Okay. Um, so what I want to do, um, because there's games like ultimate werewolf, like, um, like Avalon where, um, they're pure social deduction games and they've done a really good job of, uh, I mean, they're, they're like, for me, they're perfect games. Like they don't, they don't really need competition because they're, they're fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and I don't think they can really be optimized that much, but social deduction as a mechanic, um, hasn't really made its way into a lot of board games, uh, to a lot of other styles of board games. So, uh, what I want to do is uh, basically take take all sorts of different types of strategy games um, and kind of inject social deduction and do something completely different. So that's that's kind of the that was the idea behind Paranoia Rising Games and knowing this was going to be my first game. This has social deduction in it. Mm-hmm. It made sense. Now looking and, and seeing that my second games can be fully cooperative, I'm not so sure it made sense. But uh, my third game will probably be social deduction, so we'll we'll, we'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, you know, all on your on your uh, speed. So there you go. Yeah. What is either the best piece of advice that you've been given, or a piece of advice you'd want to give to someone that want to make their own game? Uh, so from what I've seen, um, and advice that I gave out of my last campaign is, uh, unless you're a professional graphic designer, hire a professional graphic designer, (laughs) (laughs) don't do it yourself (laughs) because yeah, it's, it's, uh, it really affects the look of the game. Um, how easy it is to understand, like, um, like for instance, if, if, uh, I, I mean, I've seen a lot of different kind of, uh, independent, um, game designer projects and definitely uh, it's clear which ones uh, haven't used a graphic designer. (laughs) Um, And if it's a prototype, that's fine. But um, I mean, not only is it going to impact the look of your game, but it's going to impact people's experience on your game because if you've got really um, hard to understand icons and things are in weird places on cards and on components, then um, it's not going to be a good game. Okay. So, uh, so people can still get in there on the stretch goals and, mm-hmm. and help you help you meet the, some of the larger orders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even even just like yeah, just just to jump in um, and uh, get a copy of the game. I mean, this is the time to do it. I'm a small uh, I'm a small publisher, so. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be pumping out regular <laughs> manufacturing orders for this. So <laughs> it is somewhat limited uh, to what I order this time. Otherwise, you're probably going to have to wait a while until until I go back into uh, story mode, in which case I'll probably do a reprint at that point. There you go. All right. Here's the Hey Mitch question. And, and you know what? You have a video or you have a board game that's all about superpowers. So... If you could have one useless superpower and it has to be completely useless, what would it be? Oh, this is this is such a good question, but I, and then like what, the first thing I think of was that episode of the X Men 
where that uh, there was they were talking about unfortunate powers that people had. And there was one guy that turned into a garbage can and somebody threw, threw a piece of trash <laughs> at him. <laughs> I think I mean, that's my favorite u- useless power yeah. uh, for other people to have. I don't, know. <laughs> don't really want to have garbage thrown on you. I no, understand. no, not so much. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of like, um, I, I think kind of talking to animals would be, or like understanding what animals have to say would be kind of cool. Um, but I, that's also kind of useful. So maybe, I don't know, maybe understanding that really animals don't have anything useful to say would be kind of a funny thing. <laughs> I love it. You can talk to animals, but really animals just have like chit chat. They're like, how's the weather? Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. anything really more than that. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's perfect. Uh, Reed, once again, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about your board game. It sounds super exciting. Um, uh, more people should go check it out at the kick at, on the Kickstarter. And then after that, where are the social medias that they can find you? Uh, so I've got a Facebook group called, uh, vigilante heroes and mercenaries. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram uh, at paranoia rising. Twitter is at paranoia rises. Uh, <laughs> someone already take Paranormal yeah, Rising on Twitter. Took it. Yeah, <laughs> I hate that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All and right. ParanormalRising dot com is the website. ParanormalRising uh, If you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia G E M G E M stands for Geekly Media. The rest of Geekly Media is at Geekly Media on Twitter, at Geekly Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekly Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geeklymedia.com. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.